What's up, everyone? What's up? This is a special edition Spread the Good Shit episode. In these episodes, Britt and I will be collaborating with amazing people who have had incredible life adventures. And who, through those life experiences, have a story to tell. That we think everybody should hear. Whoa, whoa. Today, we are welcoming our first guest ever here at Life and Good Shit. Woo-hoo. So, everyone, please welcome Nicole Santiago. Hi! <laughs> I'm so excited to be here with you two ladies. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Can I just say that I love your podcast? Oh, um, I just love how positive and fun your energy is. You two are so entertaining. I mean, oh. it's just so fun to hear you share your personal stories in such an organic way. I just really relate to um, the last episode you were talking about with culture shock. I mean, I constantly feel like I'm not fitting in in my life because of my like travels and different stuff like that. So I just am really enjoying it. And I also like to poke fun at myself. So I mean, it makes life and all your issues feel so much easier to manage. So I appreciate that you're bringing that to the table. Oh, thank you so much. You're so sweet. That's so awesome. Yay, like this is so fun. I've known Nicole for a really long time. Yeah. So for me, Nicole is my old neighbor, my high school friend, um, (laughs) surfer girl. Yeah. But today, I'm really excited to get to know the entrepreneur, lady boss, writer. Yes, we are going to touch on all those topics. Yes. But first, just to get to know you a little bit better, Britt and I have prepared some questions for you. (laughs) Hope you're ready. (laughs) Okay, so allow me to go first. Nicole, if they made a movie about your life, what would it be about and which actor would you want to play you? Ooh. Um, I love this question. This is such a fun question. (laughs) So I would say that even though from the outside, sometimes I think that people think that my life is like crazy luxurious and fun. Right. It is a combination of a whole bunch of really embarrassing things happening to me all the time. (laughs) So I need someone like Kristen Bell, like morphed with like Terminator, like woman, like Angelina Jolie, who can just like jump off of things, (laughs) but also fall and land on her ass. So I would want like a combination of their babies together to play me. (laughs) And um, it would definitely be like a... A rom-com, maybe? Okay. Or just something really funny. Lots of poop jokes. Oh, God. No, not you, too. I love poop jokes. See, the thing is, I don't actually love poop jokes. Poop jokes just love me. (laughs) I just have so many situations in my life where I, like, run across... This oh is so God. embarrassing. Where like I have a Get fear. It. I have a phobia of my poop. Really? I swear, like I don't want men to know that I poop. No. I don't like and I get in these situations where like it won't go down the toilet. And oh then God, I freak no. out and I'm like, what do I do? I oh, have yeah. to do something about this. And I end up doing really horrible oh. things with my poop. <laughs> so, so at the just, end of the day you end up like touching it and wow. having to handle it, deal oh, with it. So. <laughs> Do you not hear that? Oh, that's funny, right? It is. Well, if they make a movie I'm about you, I'm totally going to watch it. And we are going to hire Kristen Bell. <laughs> okay, so question two. I know you travel a lot. I know you've been around um, to a lot of places. So where 
else could you actually see yourself living and why? Wow. Um, you know, it's funny because as much as I travel and I've been to every continent but Antarctica and I love the idea of living in a really small town, but mm -hmm. I am so used to living in a city where there's so many restaurants and things to do that yeah. I would need to live in a big enough city where I could just go and explore and do things. Mm -hmm. I studied abroad when I was in college in Spain Ooh. and in Sevilla, and I loved Ooh, Spain. I yes. love Spanish. My, um, I'm Puerto Rican. Oh, yeah. So oh, um, what? I, I've always Santiago. wanted to, Santiago, hola. Um, <laughs> so I've always wanted to live in a different country that speaks Spanish so I could really work on my Spanish. So I would say uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Yes. So I could live near some family or either Madrid or Barcelona. Nice. Ugh, I fell in love with Barcelona back in 2010 when I went to go visit a friend there. Mm -hmm. The music, the nightlife, the culture, just insane. And Bex's brother lives in Spain. Oh, well, really? Where in Spain? No, actually, he doesn't live in Spain. He lives in Andorra, which is, is a really small principat. Oh. Where, where in it's between France and Spain, so okay. the north of Spain and the south of France. And it's really, really small, really beautiful. But yeah, that's where he lives. Okay, so next question. Would you say you are more of a morning person or a night owl? I have been told that I am definitely a morning person. Like I will really? get up. I'm like a puppy. They wake up and they're like, Aww, hey, 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 so walk me, pet me. And it's super annoying for people that aren't <laughs> morning people. And I feel like I've always been that like right. that growing up at sleepovers. Oh, I do wow. like staying up at night, but mornings are my jam. That's yeah. when I get my stuff done. Nice. Oh my God. I need to learn from you. <laughs> I need more of that energy. Yeah. Now, after having kids, there's just something amazing about getting up and getting shit done before noon. If you don't do it before noon, it's not going to happen, no. especially with working out. If I don't work out yeah. in the morning, like forget it. Right. Oh my God. You guys are my heroes. Well, <laughs> how do you find the energy to get up that early? <laughs> ah, speaking of heroes, Bex, next question. So Nicole, Bex and I are huge Marvel fans. Okay. <laughs> so if you had to choose one, who is your favorite superhero? You know, that's so funny that you said that because I have this annual gingerbread cookie making contest I throw every year. Oh. Okay. And I'm going to bring this full circle. Okay. And um, so the last year, Wonder Woman came out. Yeah. And I practiced making my cookie so I could make the perfect Wonder Woman gingerbread cookie. I just killed it. You're going to have to send us a picture of that. I will. I'll definitely send you a we picture. We need that picture. When Wonder Woman came out, I was just gravitating any anything Wonder Woman in my life that whole year. Nicole, speaking of eating... You have traveled so much. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, no. It's kind of sad and weird. Uh-oh. So um, I've had, as long as it's not puppy, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had, I've eaten termites. <gasps> and, okay. um, what? That's not too bad. Uh, in Costa Rica. And um, I've had uh, dried grasshoppers in Mexico. That's kind of a thing. It's not as like okay. exotic if you've been to Mexico before. Okay. Um, and then I'm so, I apologize ahead of time. I've had whale in Iceland. 
Ooh, do and they eat it there? They do. Oh, okay. and like I was yeah. really debating like my ethical reasons to not eat it. Right, but I did, and I don't know if it was just because I knew what I was eating that it took away from me enjoying it. Right, but I didn't love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I get that. I totally get but that too. But final question. Okay, so Nicole is a private jet flight attendant, which you guys are gonna hear all about in just a second. Yes. But what we would like to know now is, would you rather? Be on a long flight with an easygoing, pleasant, friendly client or a short flight with a demanding one. That's a good one, right? (laughs) (laughs) No one's asked me that question before and I get so many flight attendant questions. We're so good. You know, I would say I'd rather be on a long flight with someone I really enjoy because so much of my work has to do with that one-on-one experience with the the passengers I like to call them guests Um, and when you really enjoy who you're working with it just makes it not feel like work if I was on a long flight with someone like that so I could have really great conversation and create a friendship or a partnership with somebody that I enjoy that makes sense okay guys so now we're going to turn it over to Nicole and let her tell us all about how she landed where she is now both personally and professionally and what that journey was like Ready for takeoff. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Well, there's so many stories that people have in their life. But when I first meet people, the number one thing that most people ask strangers is like, oh, what do you do for a living? (laughs) Right. Right. It's just like the go-to. But like, I'll be like, oh, I'm a private flight attendant. And people are always like, oh my gosh, what is that? That sounds so much fun. (laughs) And let's just get that out of the way. And let me just explain what I do and how I got into the industry. So, okay. Okay. Like everything in my life, my whole life is very non-linear. Okay. Um, I, I don't know how I get to the places I am. Like <laughs> they just, they, I jump around a lot. So I was yeah. studying sociology and theater in college. You are so theater. I know. I'm like, ha! I'm fossy handsing right now <laughs> as we speak. And I was working for a production company and I loved it. I was really enjoying my work. Yeah. But like most people, sometimes if you have a really fun job, it doesn't pay anything. Ugh, and I was right. just so right. broke. And I was just at this point in my life where I don't want to make decisions based fully off of money, right. but I knew I wanted to like have enough money to enjoy my life. Yeah. I couldn't afford to pay for Wi-Fi, so I was like in the corner of like <laughs> my bathroom trying to steal my neighbor's <laughs> Wi-Fi every night. Um, and I just, I couldn't go out. And I just decided I needed to try something else that maybe made a little bit more money. Yeah. Right. And so I was at a coffee shop and I ran into an old acquaintance and he looked super sharp. He was like in a business suit. And I was like, all right, he's, you know, doing some stuff. And he said he worked for a financial firm. Okay. And I was like, okay, cool. Didn't know anything about finance. (laughs) And he was like, they're actually hiring. You know, you could probably get a job as like a lower agent level, you know? Yeah. And so I gave it a shot. I went for an interview and they hired me. Dope. And here's like one of the things that I've realized about life mm-hmm. is that 
there are moments in your life where you make decisions based off of the truths that you know. Yeah. yeah. And so at that time, my truth was I'm going to make mm-hmm. really good money working for this company and then I'm going to do what I love. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? That was like plan A. Like yeah. that was like I was committed to that idea. Right. So I like got my securities license. I got my insurance license. I went through all these tests. I got a business suit. I worked my <laughs> ass off and I was just doing it. Yeah. And I, you know what the reality is? I didn't really love what I was doing, yeah. but I had decided in my mind yeah. that it was worth it because at in the end, I'd be doing something that I love. Right. I would make enough money to do what I love. Yeah. And the thing about yeah. our truths is that sometimes they're just there for a moment to serve us. And then we kind of outgrow them yeah you know like I believe that yeah and then either what happens is they don't serve you anymore or you have a a life changing moment like a big moment in your life that all of a sudden you realize like oh I don't believe that anymore yeah you know yeah I think Britt and I can totally relate for sure when we both moved here we didn't know shit yeah and I think there were definitely things that we told ourselves we either needed or felt was necessary to get us through certain phases of our integration process here. But then for whatever reason, just like you said, you know when it's time for a change. Right. Yeah. And at some point, you have to accept that path that you're on and allow it to take you and trust it will take you where you want it to go. Right. Totally. And everything happens for a reason. Everything does. And I just outgrew that truth. I no longer believe that I needed to make a ton of money doing one thing I hated in order to do what I love. And it's weird that sometimes when like a truth doesn't serve us anymore, Mm -hmm. it's it for me, it hit like my soul. It wasn't anything really big that happened. I just remember I walked into the office one day. I was sitting in a cubicle (laughs) and my soul just like hit me and I was like what am I doing I'm not happy and I need to make an actual change in my life I need to create some action steps to get myself more congruent with who I really am and what I really want to be doing in my life definitely and that was all it was it was like just a moment one day to the next yeah it was just one random day I just it just hit me and it hit my soul and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at that point. Mm -hmm. I had been working in finance for four years. Right. And maybe I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew it needed to be really fun. Uh I had not really had fun at work for four years. Yeah. Like pushing products and selling things and like working in a cubicle. I just want fun. Yeah. So I decided to apply to any job that sounded really fun to me. (sighs) Regardless of the financial yeah, aspect. Yeah, regardless. I was like, I need fun. Okay. So I applied to be a princess at Disneyland. No way. <laughs> oh, Bex, you love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I'm dying. Yeah. I applied to be a singing telegram uh, person. How fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I applied for this Canadian company that was starting this axe throwing party thing. Okay. To like throw axes. It was super <laughs> random. But it sounded fun. But I also applied to be a flight attendant because I was like, that sounds fun. Travel. Woo. Woo. So I was in an interview with Delta and I remember them asking me in my interview if I had any experience working in private aviation. Okay. And I was like, private aviation? Like, what is that? So I remember after the interview, I went on Google and I was like, private aviation? Go. Like, oh, really rich people that can (laughs) fly around the world on their own jets and they just happen to need flight attendants. I'm like, huh, 
that sounds fun. I'll apply to do that too. Totally. So I had an interview with a company. Yeah. And I remember driving down to Santa Monica and it was like $12 to park. And I was like, I can't afford that. That's super expensive. So I drove around forever. It takes forever to find free parking in Santa Monica. I parked like a half a mile away. I'm like running in my heels to this interview. I go up to this big Skyrise building. The interview's at the very top, and it's in this beautiful, luxurious building. Everyone looks like models. Everyone just looks like they have it together. And I immediately feel small. Like, I immediately feel like I don't belong here. What am I doing here, right? (laughs) And it had this beautiful view of the whole coast of, like, L.A. And I sat down with this woman. Yeah. And I just felt so unqualified. I felt like... I couldn't do this for sure. Right. But I finished my interview and I remember the the lady saying that she had a client that she thought our personalities would match really well okay. and she was willing to give me a shot. Wow. Wow. Yes. So I am like, okay, here we go. So did that at least calm your nerves and allow you to get back into like confident mode? No, because I kind of, I don't know. Some people are really good at interviewing and uh-huh. I feel like I can, I can kind of just like nail an interview, even though I don't actually like my aunt, she was a private chef and uh, she worked for a celebrity. Yeah. So I made it kind of sound like, oh yeah, I'm around celebrities all the time. And <laughs> and even though I worked in finance, like I didn't work with really wealthy people, but I made it sound like, oh yeah, I, I'm wheeling dealing with all these rich people in finance, but I really didn't, you know? So Fake it till you make exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Fake it till you make Classic it. Classic overselling. Exactly. Right. But then at the, after, at the end of the interview, I was like, oh, oh what oh, am wow. I doing? <laughs> So I got my emergency training and I remember being in the training and there was a more seasoned flight attendant there mm-hmm. yeah. and she was like, oh, I'm from Manhattan Beach. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I live near there. Right. We should be friends. Yeah. And Stop she it. clearly <laughs> looked at me and was like, I don't befriend other flight attendants. Shut up. Yeah. I know. (gasps) And one thing like Brittany knows about me, but you probably don't know, is that I'm a really like friendly, bubbly person. Yes, definitely. And sometimes it, you know, I get it. If you're not in that right mood, it could be really annoying to be around like a little puppy all the time, you know? But like (laughs) I was really genuinely excited to to meet, Mm -hmm. meet someone. And I, I, that was my first interaction and realized this is going to be a really lonely job. Oh, man. Yeah. So that first year was really hard for me. So you basically gained a lot of experience that year. I mean, I totally failed forward. My very first flight, I didn't really have many people to, to lean on or talk to. When you're on a private jet, it's one flight attendant and two pilots, unless you're on a BBJ, but most people, it's just you you're you're on your own there's no one you can talk to there's no one you can ask for questions it's just you by yourself in the cabin Mm -hmm. and I got to Dallas and I remember trying to check into my hotel room and I had already bought my flight to get out there and I had no money and I tried to check into my hotel room and my credit card was declined I only had like $400 (gasps) on my credit card and I had already spent it to get there and I just started crying and I was like I can't even check into my hotel room I don't want to tell these pilots 
pilots. Oh I don't God. know them. I'm in a city where I don't know anyone. What do I do? But if they fly you there, you pay a- for everything and oh. they reimburse you afterwards. Oh, I mean, every company's different, but that's pretty standard procedure but I didn't have any credit like I didn't know any of these things and so I'm just sitting in the lobby just crying and feeling so alone so luckily my parents bailed me out but um I just had experience and experience after that of just falling on my face and Mm -hmm. not knowing what I'm doing and having to figure it out Mm -hmm. yeah and and it wasn't just like with service because I didn't know how to open wine and serve yeah. food mm-hmm. and do all the stuff mm-hmm. a, that a flight attendant needs to do. Like fancy schmancy stuff. Fancy schmancy. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know fancy words for things. Yeah. <laughs> but I also didn't know that world. Yeah. So yeah. it was the first time that I was around call girls <sighs> and drugs and like Shut like up. men cheating on their wives and like my parents are still happily married like I didn't grow up around this stuff so I'm being hit like my first year with like all these crazy scenarios and people spending more money in one day than I make in a whole year I mean people were dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars a day so my my mind was blown away and can I handle this like can I do this So something you were saying, um, you had so many obstacles. How do you decide to keep going to that next step? How do you get past all those moments of feeling like you don't belong or feeling like a failure? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's two things that go in your head, especially when you're starting a new career or anything new, Mm -hmm. right? There's all this doubt. There's all this negativity. There's all these things that tell you like you don't belong. You shouldn't be here. You're not good enough. And, you know, I'm a big fan of personal development and working on yourself and just honing in on who you are. Yeah. And I think in those times, you just have to like really dig deep and just know I can do this. I can actually do anything I want to do. Yes. And I, you know, if this is what I want to do, I'll figure it out. And if I make a mistake, like, great. I made that mistake. I'm never going to make that mistake again. Right. I am going to learn. If I don't know how to open wine, I'm going to buy a whole box of two buck chuck <laughs> and I'm going to open wine all night long. So I'm not accidentally putting a cork in a hundred dollar bottle of wine, oh, which right. I have done. Oh. So it's like I am learning constantly. And one of the things I loved about your podcast is you're just laughing at yourself. You know, and you got to give yourself like a freaking break and laugh at yourself at the end of the day and be like, wow, (laughs) I'm a mess. This is so cute. (laughs) So, um, you know, I do feel like I did have a really large learning curve because I had no experience with all of the things that I needed to know. Yeah. Uh, But I finally got myself to a point after a year where I had enough clients that were calling me that I was able to quit my full-time job and go full-time into um, private aviation. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about business coaches that I've worked with in the past is that a lot of people think as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you just need to jump in and like that's what it takes to be successful or to do your business. Right. But there's something really powerful about staying in your full-time job and working your business on the side. You know, you have financial stability. You're not having to make cuts or make decisions based off your, um, in your business, based off of fear or compromising. No, if you keep your full-time job and 
you're building your business on the side, you can build it exactly the way you want and you can allow your full-time income to support and finance your new career. Yeah. And, you know, that was something that I really appreciated that I waited until I was making the same amount of money in my new career as I was making in finance. And then at that point, I quit my job. So that took me about a year and it was really hard like to juggle two things at the same time. Yeah. But then if something didn't work out, I could say no. To one or the other. Yeah. You didn't have all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Right. So I think that that was just really important for me as an entrepreneur to be able to finally, when I quit, celebrate that and be like, okay, all right, like I'm in here, but I feel comfortable and this is a good adjustment for me and I'm not having to struggle financially in this decision. Something that you said that really got me thinking is about how social media now has this power to transmit this energy of drop everything and give 100% to your dream. Yeah. And actually, you've just made me rethink this entire idea. Why would you actually give everything up for something that is so uncertain when you can maintain your job to finance that dream? Yeah. Yeah. And it might even make it so much more worthy. Like, yeah, I built that from the ground up while working, having a social life, paying my bills, etc. I don't know. I think that message is so empowering and you just don't hear enough about that. Yeah, like you really don't hear much about that nowadays. Yeah, I think it's because there's like this sexy myth, right? It's like sexy to hear someone say like, oh, I just started this business and I quit my job and like I'm going full all in. I'm like, why does that mean you're going all in? Because you made an irresponsible financial decision (laughs) to like not take care of, like why is it sexy and responsible? Like you're not adulting. Adulting is taking care of your shit. Adulting is knowing that you have bills to pay and prioritize things. And if this is something you really want, you can hustle after work. It's exhausting. It's tiring. Like you don't have a lot of time. But at least you know at the end of the day, if your business fails, like you have something to lean on. Mm -hmm. You didn't lose your house, lose your car. Why not take the income you have yeah. And allow your full-time job to be the financial stability for your business. Instead of going yeah. out and looking for people to invest in your company, just let your employer invest in your company. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's just reckless. I mean, I too see it on social media. And if only it were that easy. In fact, if it were, we'd all be these amazing entrepreneurs. But that's just not the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> I think that those are the stories that people gravitate towards, but the reality is for every one of those stories, there's hundreds of stories of people Mm -hmm. that didn't make it. Yes. And, you know, the process is ugly. People want the end result, but they don't want to go through the shit you have to go through to get to Mm -hmm. the pretty perfect picture, perfect ending. For anything that you really want in your life, You have to work hard for it. And I think that's a lost skill set in our like new age culture Mm -hmm. is like I call it the microwave um, culture. Like it's like (laughs) we're in a microwave, right? Like we want like instant popcorn. We want everything like instantly, like 30 second success. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, like that's just not reality. The reality is we're living in an oven. Mm -hmm. We're not living in a microwave. Like you got to let that thing bake. You got to slowly. Let, mm-hmm. 
No. I would say the majority of the flight attendants that I train, and they spend thousands of dollars to go through Sky Angels. It's not Mm. a cheap academy. And they'll spend a lot of money, and a lot of them do not make it. And the reason why isn't because I think that they can't do the job. I think it's very difficult to hit the pavement and feel rejection. Right. People don't know what it feels like to fail. And they Mm -hmm. think, oh, they don't want me. This must not be the right thing for me. But it's like, no, if you really want something, you got to like put some skin in it and you got to like get in Mm -hmm. the ring and get some bruises, earn it. Right. You got to like work really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this world of instant gratification, people forget that success is a long, slow process that doesn't come before good old-fashioned hard work. Yeah. Okay, so you were working full-time and simultaneously building your business. I guess the question is, what is your business? So I still fly full-time, but after a couple years of flying, I decided to partner with my business partner, Stephanie, and she is the CEO of Sky Angels. And I came in, I originally started just training with her, and Mm -hmm. then after a couple years, I came in as COO of the company and um, director of operations. And basically, one of the things that I felt really passionate about was helping people get into this industry and not have to go through what I went through. Feeling like an outcast. Right. And And I I wanted to create a community for people to be able to rely on each other, to help get work, and just not feel alone. Right. And so since then, I've probably trained over 100 flight attendants, and we have this, like, really great tight-knit community of women and men that just support each other love each other and you know we meet up on the on the road and it's just so much fun and so you know I I did Sky Angels for a while and I was we were training and a couple years into it we got approached by a a production company who were like hey we want to make a reality TV show on Sky Angels. Stop it. Yes. I love how you're merging your passion of theater and film. Yes. And I was like super excited because I was like, great. I love film. I love entertainment. Like, and I was so excited. And we, so we started filming the preliminary pilot. And I remember pretty quickly in the beginning of filming the show. Yeah. um, And we hadn't finalized a contract yet. Right. But they it it was very apparent that they wanted me to be like slutty oh. and stupid and they just wanted me to be something that i wasn't right and i was just like you know what like this doesn't feel right to me yeah. this isn't how we want to project our company you've worked too hard to get to where you are and to create that that uh, environment right. that community to to just completely sabotage that on freaking national television. Exactly. And this was before the Me Too movement. So I feel like when we sat with the top executives and we were trying to share with them the vision we had for this show, we're like, look, like you will get drama. People in general are just drama. (laughs) Like you don't, we don't need to create like these scenarios with drinking and being inappropriate with guests and doing all this stuff. Like drama will happen because there's just people involved and that just people create that themselves Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not going to be through the way you want it Mm -hmm. and we just couldn't agree so we decided to um, pull our contract and not do the show okay yeah 
Was that difficult for you? It was really hard because I was like excited. (laughs) But I realized after that, people are really interested in private aviation. Really? You know, I mean, the fact that like they were going to do a show on primetime TV, I was like, oh, wow, like there's something here. Yeah. So I decided to take the concepts for the show and put them into a book. And I, as I was creating this idea for this book, I realized that if I'm going to spend a year of my life writing a book, like I want to really enjoy what I'm writing about. I quickly realized that I wasn't as passionate about private aviation as I thought I was. And the book kind of morphed into being more about, you know, people that are struggling with their identity and how to really hone in on who you are regardless of what society says you are Mm -hmm. or what you're having to deal with. Because in this industry, I work with the most wealthy, Mm -hmm. the beautiful models, celebrities, and it can be really hard to know where you stand in this world. And especially with social media, It's like there's so much comparing. There's so much of like finding your identity on things that don't really matter. And I just wanted to kind of write a book more about that journey for me and what that was like because that tugs on my heart way more than the life of the rich and famous and private jets and all that stuff. Even though that's what I do and I talk about that a little bit. But I really wanted to write about something that spoke to well, I'm a female, so for the female perspective of where I should be and, and where's your self-worth and how to redefine your self-worth. I don't think that it serves us to ever think that we need to compare ourselves right. to anyone else. We're all on these very unique, special journeys. Mm-hmm. And we, we need to learn to love and appreciate ourselves mm-hmm. and our self-worth for who we are Definitely. and what we're going through and just hone in on that. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now in my journey. I mean, you're talking a lot about, you know, finding yourself, staying true to yourself. Was that a struggle that you had before you got into this industry? I think that that's a constant struggle because we're all evolving as people. And so I might fully get to a point where like, okay, I feel really good with where I am in, in life. And then maybe something else happens and I in being redirected to either a new career or a new position. And now I have to just completely shed another layer. So it's like a constant onion for me of of learning who I am and growing like deeper into myself and my self-awareness and my self-confidence. But it's something that is like a lifelong journey that's so beautiful and exciting when you can just appreciate it and know that you're on this journey to love yourself And it's totally a life purpose and process that's just guided by yourself. And you can take the blinders and be like, we are all on this separate journey. Yeah. And not have to judge it and just love it. Yeah. You know? So I just want to bring you back to something you talked about earlier uh, that totally caught my attention, which was when you were talking about all those crazy things you've witnessed on the job that were until then completely foreign to your world of, you know, like you said, happily married parents still together. And I don't know, I was just, it totally caught my attention because I immediately was picturing you, this very ethical, professional, kind person in these, what I can imagine to be very uncomfortable situations. And I'm just thinking, 
Weren't you ever just like, I need to get the hell out of here? I mean, how did these situations play on your moral compass? And did this aspect of the job ever put doubt in your mind of whether or not this job was for you? I think that that's a really challenging place and I'm still navigating the right way to handle myself mm-hmm. because if I'm doing my job correctly, yeah. I'm invisible. Okay. I don't exist. Like I come in, I serve them food, I take care of them and then I disappear. So there comes a point when I'm seeing and witnessing these things mm-hmm. and I'm like, how do I feel about these things and what does this mean about life? Yeah. And I think it was an aha moment for me because I just realized like this is existing in the world whether I know about it or not. Yeah. Right? And what is my purpose in this? For a moment, I, I like had this like come to Jesus moment. I'm like, maybe I'm here to like save them all and like help them all become better people. I'm like, well, they probably don't care what I think. Wah, wah. <laughs> But I do think that I have funneled it in a way where I have seen extremely rich millionaires be very happy Mm -hmm. and extremely rich people be very not happy. And what I've taken from my experience is that um, money only accentuates who you really are. Uh, Yes. So if you are a really caring loving serving person great money is going to allow you to be more of that if you are that type of person that just is all about yourself Mm -hmm. all about you money is just going to make that show tenfold and so when I think about it that way I'm able to look at these people and go you know what you're just like me you're just like people I know you just have a little bit more money Uh to kind of over exaggerate the things that you know my friends probably wouldn't be able to do or say, but you know what? Like there are probably people in my life that if they had that much money, like maybe they might do those things. <laughs> That's funny. That's a really good perspective on that. At the end of the day, the difference is the power you have behind your habits. <laughs> right? So Nicole, um, these experiences and these situations, these, these things that you've gone through, are we going to get um, a, up and close, you know, raw examples in this book that you have coming out. Yes, yeah, so it's it's very memoir based. So okay. I really take you through the, my whole journey through lots of really embarrassing and fun and exciting stories. And so through the book, I kind of hone in on different uh, specific identity shifts okay and I I love telling stories like I feel like people remember stories way more than they'll remember anything that you try to teach them so rather than say like hey you know it doesn't really matter at the end of the day how much money you make I can be like hey this is how I feel about this and let me share with you some experiences I've had working with really rich rich people and how I've come to that conclusion on my own I share stories in my book mainly on topics that I feel like are surrounded around your self-worth and redefining your identity. And I take a lot of my stories from flying. And like, for example, I talk about the perspective on money and that like pull to really feel like, oh, if I don't make X amount of money, this means this about myself. And I take stories from working with very really rich people and um, how I've experienced and redefined my self-worth through that 
and you know put that into the book so it's very memoir story based I love telling stories yeah unfortunately I get myself into a lot of trouble so that's always fun <gasps> really <laughs> just like I'm, I'm just we an embarrassing hear person <laughs> I want to hear those um I mean I don't know I've had a fire on board my aircraft I've like I've had people having sex on my aircraft oh, like I have just Ooh. like I've been like you know people have like asked me if I wanted to do stuff inappropriate with them on board like I've just how do you handle oh that oh my gosh it's so I don't know that's the thing is like <laughs> you just get real things- awkward <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I, you know, that's the thing is like, no one tells you how to deal with these things. No. And then all of a sudden you're in these situations. There's no training manual. <laughs> and you're, no. Well, every time something happens to me, I oh. go back to my, the training manual. Okay. And I try to insert that into my training. <laughs> I'm like, oh, got to teach someone about that now. Appendix, what happens if they ask you for a threesome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Nicole, is there anything um, in your professional career you wish had known before starting out? everything (laughs) I don't I mean when you jump into something so new you have an idea especially I think that's why people are so intrigued by private aviation they're like wow it sounds like something so mystical and magical and like yeah me too I had ideas about what my job was and then when I actually started working I'm like oh I am a chef I'm a nanny. I'm a toilet cleaner. I take care of pilots. I know emergency stuff. Like I have so many hats I need to wear. I had no idea going into it. And I think that's normal for people that are in new careers. Like you have this idea. You're like, I don't like what I'm doing. I want to do X, Y, Z. And I think anyone that wants to jump into a completely different career, you sometimes might actually not know or like what it really is yeah you know because we we romanticize other jobs and until you're really in it you realize like every job is still a quote-unquote job there's Mm going to be things you don't like about everything you do that's why it's a job yeah (laughs) not a hobby so I think that's important for people that are trying to think they're thinking about shifting their career it's like it's really great to to talk to someone before you make that leap huh interesting yeah Yeah. um so just moving on Nicole um in your last podcast I loved what you were saying about how the way you actually feel is aligned with the way you want to feel Can you elaborate a little bit on that and tell us how you got to that place? Um, That's such an inner statement because everyone always needs to project or thinks they need to project that they're happy. I just think that there was a way that I thought I should feel about myself and it just... I didn't f- actually really feel that way. Yeah. Like I was like fake feeling. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life where you're like, well, I have this and this going for me. So I should feel this way. Right. But then in reality, like you don't really feel that way. Yeah. And I had to wrestle with that mm-hmm. and be like, okay, wait a second. Something in my gut is telling me that my life is there's something off like there's something that's not congruent with who I really am yeah as a person I have definitely been there and I didn't know what it was but I felt like the more I like stepped into that uncomfortability yeah it became more apparent that 
I was caring way too much about what other people were doing and thinking and like wanting to be in a place that I wasn't. Yeah. And I was able to kind of like really have resolution in my heart and my soul about like my own personal life and my personal journey. And then it just felt like I gave myself a big hug and then I just liked myself again. Then I could feel like, oh, okay, like this is the way I always wanted to feel. I just didn't feel this way because I'm just like not in like inner alignment. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm getting super granola hippie right now. (laughs) (laughs) That totally makes sense. Britt and I know all about yes. that. And I think when you said that, you were speaking our language. For real. Yeah. But it's like an it's an action thing. It's like th- there's something specifically for me that I I try really hard to run away from negative things. Like yeah. I do not like I I see negativity and you're like run away. I'm like, no, 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 yeah. bad, bad. Fail. But when I have these negative feelings inside, I really have to just allow them to be like you said and then work through them yeah and it's like it's a constant like onion of life happens things change okay feel them you know integrate them Mm -hmm. release them and move and have action steps yeah but it's a lot harder to grow yeah you know it's so much harder to um create like an evolution in our lives where we're constantly being better and better and better because it means that you have to constantly be like self-reflecting and the comfort zone pushing yourself yeah but there's so much like growth it's just such a I feel constantly like oh I feel better now than I felt like ever and then like later in my life like wait no 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 like this can be the best time in my life like oh wait 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 like this could be like my best year yeah and that's an exciting place to be is like to always feel like my best years this year to come you know yeah definitely I always want to feel like that like the best year is this year you know that is hardcore positivity dude (laughs) (laughs) so nicole i have a question you've done all of these amazing things in your private aviation career and all of this beautiful personal development and you're going to become a published author so i guess the question is what is the next step for you and how do you plan on attacking that so i am working on the book being published right now and that can potentially based off of who I decide to sign with could lead to some really exciting speaking engagements Ooh. and different stuff like that. Nice. I do love writing. I'm not as much into writing more books as I am about trying to transcribe some stuff into TV or film. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. And I also have some really, and this is going to get, I'm going to get weird. Can we get weird really quick? Go for it. Yes, please. All of it. (laughs) So I have these ideas for curating some really feminine vagina (laughs) art curations in LA. So I've been wanting to curate like a really like pro vagina orgasmic experience okay and so I don't paint but I've been um, trying to collaborate with some artists Mm -hmm. and create um, an art exhibit that kind of focuses on 
um, female orgasms. Nice. Wait, hold on. Elaborate a little bit more about that. Well, they are fantasies. So they're not necessarily like a picture of vagina, which by the way, I have a vagina coffee table book. What? You should definitely take a look Ooh, at I'm it. I'm going to take a look at it. Yeah, it's got 101 vaginas on it. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about having some extra time to work on doing some art curation. So I'd like to hear more about the thought process behind this. Would you mind sharing how you came up with this idea? I've had a very non-linear experience trying to find my sexuality. Like it's bounced around a lot as far as feeling like I really owned my own sexuality. Okay. And so in that process of trying to figure out how I feel and what I want, what what feels good and what doesn't, I had a lot of conversations with very close friends. And a lot of those conversations, we talked about our orgasms Uh and like what made people have an orgasm and what they thought about and like what, you know, because I was in a place Mm -hmm. in my life where I was just having a lot of roadblocks. Okay. And I love me a good orgasm chat though. Yeah. We are so down for this. <laughs> yeah, let's go there. And so as I was having these conversations with different people, I was realizing that women had such random different fantasies. Okay. Like I had one friend that was like, I imagine my partner going up a mountain, planting a flag, getting in a helicopter and jumping off or something. And I was like, okay. So I would so I would try that and I'm like, nothing, like blanks, like, you know. Right. And so through that, I I had like cultivated and was creating and writing down all these different stories okay. and, and like things that people would think about. Yeah. And I've collected them all and I thought it would be just so fascinating to yeah. have like an entire art gallery of like displaying women's yeah just their like their sexual fantasies nice. and more specifically like the really weird ones like <laughs> the ones that you're like really so I have like a good collection now that I am just looking for the right artists I have a couple artists in mind but I want to partner with a whole bunch of like local artists that can kind of recreate these orgasmic fantasies that women have well it's specifically women but I'm you know I'm I'm open to like elaborating and making it larger but specifically with women and it just being like a really positive dialogue for women and and their partners and whomever to just go around this gallery and be like huh like let's talk about sex so I'm excited about that well we'll have to have you back on for that talk (laughs) yeah because we did not see that coming (laughs) no we didn't so we're gonna end on that note what a perfect lags way to close the episode right how fun nicole you've been so enlightening and so inspiring oh your stories turned into a book i cannot wait to get my hands on it and read it so please send us a signed copy (laughs) oh Sign it, though. Sign it. (laughs) So when when she's big and famous, we'll be like, we know her. Exactly. I love it. Well, thank you so much for letting me uh, just speak from my heart. And I've just, the two of you together, um, I know you're going to have, continue to have some really incredible podcasts because your energy and your authenticity is just it's just so great like I love it I want to hear more (laughs) I'm a believer I'm a lifer yes you are so Nicole where can we find you so if you're like wow I love your career and I want to become a private flight attendant you can 
look into more information on our website, which is flyskyangels.com. Go check it out. Or you can um, find us on Instagram at fly underscore skyangels. Okay. If you want to stalk me personally, I'm at Nicole K as in Kilo Santiago. (laughs) And when can we expect the book? Um, I'm hoping within the year. I'm still like working with different publishing houses. Okay. But But you'll let us on Instagram. So if you are as excited about getting your hands on those up close and personal raw details of some of the things she mentioned today, make sure to stalk us on Instagram and we'll keep you posted and in the loop on the release date. Lastly, like Nicole said, if you're interested in joining her Sky Angels team, head over to their website and use our promo code. It's LAGS Podcast. LAGS for Life and Good Shit. So capital L-A-G-S podcast for a discount on your sky academy membership yes go get it guys and thank you so much nicole for being a guest here on life and good shit and as our first guest setting that bar so damn high (laughs) (laughs) right and as crazy busy as you are we just want to let you know that we really appreciate the time that you took to do this interview with us um We just want to wish you the best of luck in all of these really exciting future endeavors. So until next time, spread the good shit. Thanks again, ladies.